This presentation of Marshall Rosenberg, entitled Experiencing Needs as a Gift, is part of the Corona 2000 recording series. Until you understand that the map is not the territory, you're not aware of the danger of words. Words, never words are never what they describe. It's so obvious on the one hand, but we actually don't realize the meaning we ascribe to the phenomenon by the words we put on it. This seems to touch something in you, or you have an allergy? I don't know for sure what's going on. I'd like to stay with it, if you're willing. It's a little hard to hear you, Marshall. I'll put my thing on. I honestly don't know what's going on, so I don't know if I can get through it quickly. <laughs> we'll hold up our hand if we're wanting to move on to something else. Well, um, I, I just was remembering. I, I felt myself not being totally present this morning, and, um, and then feeling, I mean, just having little judgments go through it, my mind and then I remembered your line about all judgment is unexpressed need and so then I just started wondering what I need and I don't know. Let me hear the judgment. Maybe I can help you guess. What did you, what did you tell yourself about not getting with what was going on in the way that other people did? <sighs> I'm embarrassed to say them. <laughs> I guess I judge myself for judging. You, you judged yourself as what? I judge myself for judging. So you judge the group? Or you judge what was happening? No, I just... Um, um, I was just kind of feeling disconnected and I don't know why. Yeah, so you had a real need for communion with the group, and the need wasn't met. Well, I felt very connected yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think it's probably just my own, like, judging myself. Yeah. And that, you were saying... To yourself what? What was going through you this morning that's so painful? The reason I'm pushing for it is the more ugly the judgment, the more beautiful the need behind it. So I, I like to dig the beauty of the need out from behind the judgment. Just stupid stuff, like not bringing the right clothes. Just not bringing the right what? Clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So you were frustrated that you would have liked to have taken better care of yourself physically in terms of the clothes, and then you were annoyed because you would have liked to have been able to stay with the group and not allow your concern about things like the clothes to bother you. Is that what was going on? Um, it wasn't that I didn't take care of myself. It was that it didn't. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know... <laughs> <laughs> it's just silly stuff. I'm just embarrassed. 
you would have liked to have uh, been more comfortable fitting in with the group and your clothes you felt wouldn't allow that? I, I would have... Um, I wish I had... <laughs> it's so petty. It's just embarrassing. Just, um, I wish I had access to what I have at home. Uh -huh. Comforts like that? Are you feeling really scared that if you let your needs be known that you're going to be judged? That it's not okay for you to reveal your needs among this group? I don't know for sure what my needs are. I'd like to stay with the one about home. The thing about the, that I had asked you if you had... Was it that just missing the comforts of, of home? Part, part, leave it. Partly just, um, it was still with clothes. I mean, this is how ridiculous it is. It's just I wish I had my clothes that are at home. And I didn't know. It's hard to know where you're going and know what the group will be like. I didn't know anybody here except for you. I met you last weekend, you know. So it's kind of a need to feel belonging, to feel a part of something. Is that the need? That you... I do feel a part. Um, I mean, I feel like people are really warm and loving um, I think it's I need to know what I need so I know what to ask for I don't, even, I don't know what to ask for yeah. so you have a real need to connect with such loving people around you and yet you're not at all confident in your words whether you'll be able to connect with them I'm not confident in my awareness of my own needs yeah and so that the need behind that then is to be able to really connect with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And, it's, and you're, you're aware of how sad you are that you don't know the needs well enough to do that. Don't have the language of needs that would help you to connect with people. Yeah. So it's a need for connectedness, a need for enjoying people. And then when you see how far you are from your own needs leads you with a great sadness that you don't have words to make these connections. I know some of my needs, but I mean, like this morning I was just thinking of your sentence that all judgment is unexpressed need, and I don't, I don't, I just didn't know what that specific need was. I mean, if I'm, if I'm looking around 
and um, separating myself with judgment, then then it's my need, and then not knowing what that need is. Yes. Let's give you another little bit of practice. What is the need that was behind your saying, this is so silly, this is so stupid? What need was being expressed through those judgments? I guess I don't know to be recognized for who I really am or something. You have a real need to reveal something about yourself that would be enriching to people. Is that it? I'm trying to feel. If that, I'm trying to sense what it is. Um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the time I feel like I don't need a lot. I, I'm not a, I don't feel needy. You know, I don't feel like I need a lot. We are, life is like this. We have a need that needs to be met. When it's being met, we feel a certain comfort and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And then some needs are not getting met, some needs are getting met. So it's like uh -huh. that for me is life. It's a continuum. Uh -huh. But the way we, we think about needs is though that you use the word needy, like there's a needy person, as though there's some sign of mental pathology to be needy, you see. We think of that as what need, having needs means. Yeah. I, I think there was a lot of <clears throat> judgment in my family about having needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what were the judgments that... Give me an example of what somebody might have said about somebody like that implied judgments of needs. Well, just like the word needy is a judgment. Yes, and if we hear the need behind that, the need that it's expressing, the parent who's saying, don't be needy, I think we'll, find, we'll see some beauty in that. We'll see it's a beautiful need the parent is expressing when they say, don't be needy. Hard to see that now. Pardon me? Hard to see that. How do I see it now? No, I'm saying it's hard to see that Hard to now. see that now. <clears throat> the beauty of the need that the parent was expressing. Like what would it be? I have, I, I really am, have a need for people to be aware of other people and not just themselves. And I'm scared, I don't want you ever to get so caught up in your needs that you miss the beauty of enriching the life of other people. Something like that. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. See, the more ugly-sounding the message, I think we're going to enjoy the need behind it, because it means it's a, it's, it's a very intense need, very necessary for survival, for enjoyment of life. But unfortunately, we've been given this language. It comes from not... It wasn't designed to help us enjoy life. It, as I said to my group yesterday, our language was a language designed to teach us to be obedient to authority. So, that's a pretty big jump from that language to one that focuses attention on the beauty of life each moment. I think there's one other piece. I think that it was when I, 
needed love that I was abused. You needed love that... I, I didn't hear the last part. I said I think it was when I needed love as a child that I was abused, so I learned not to need anything. So when you needed love, instead of getting love, uh, the other person were trying to get their needs met in a way that was painful for you. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their needs were so much taking over them that they couldn't see your needs and, and see that the way of meeting their needs was very painful to you. them to think of my needs. <laughs> yes. One of the most important needs that we have is to, to have our needs seen for what they are, valued. See them as, I'm going to try to describe them shortly, but to see the beauty of our needs. And when, instead of seeing, getting that need met, we feel that people f receive our needs as a beautiful gift of life. When we get something the exact opposite of that, and we don't have giraffe ears on, it's extremely painful, because here we're offering the, the most beautiful thing we have to offer, the life that is within us. So if I say to somebody, I'm really lonely right now, and would need some connection. Would you just come over and hold me? And the other person looks like this. And I don't have giraffe ears on. You see the tragedy in that? I'm offering one of the most beautiful gifts a human being can give, that which is alive in them. And then you get that look. And if I have giraffe jackal ears on, I think I'm toxic. What's alive in me, what's so beautiful and alive in me that I'd love somebody to see the beauty in it, and they get that look, I start thinking there's something toxic in me. I am toxic. Now, of course, I fiddled around with technology and come up with these ears. Now when I offer a beautiful gift of what's alive in me, and the other person goes like, or you're needy, or whatever, now, now I know what the problem is. The damn jackal postal delivery service is screwed up again. <laughs> I sent a beautiful gift out and they delivered a hunk of shit. Now isn't, <laughs> isn't that tragic that there's such a postal delivery service? <laughs> I'm militant about this. I don't care about the destruction to the ecology, the starvation of people. The jackal postal delivery service is the greatest menace on this planet. I'm <laughs> And human beings send out beautiful gifts and these horrible messages get delivered. 
through these years. I appreciate your help. I'm really grateful to you for leading into my session today. Because <laughs> really, everything you said was I like much better than what I was going to say <laughs> to prepare us for it. Thank you. In fact, the session's over. Can <laughs> I stay around for the after session talk then? <laughs> the afterglow, huh? When I listen with giraffe ears, when I get my meaning and I get that book, could you model how I could respond to that? How I could deal with that? When the, other, well, the first thing I need to say, I'm serious, I don't say the jackal postal delivery service has done its evil deed again. I've shortened that because it has to happen quick. I just quickly tell myself they didn't hear. And so what I repeated? Well, I may or may not. The mo even the most important thing is that I not connect their pain with what's alive in me. And I'll see if I'm a baby, then nobody's taught me how to do this. And I've got a poor parent that's in enormous agony. And I'm just crying and needing some food, and the parent feels obligated and shit. I got to, I have to feed the baby, and I don't have giraffe ears. I start growing up immediately by thinking there's something wrong with me for having my needs. So the biggest thing we can do for ourselves is just at that moment to be conscious in whatever way we can remind ourselves they didn't hear, they didn't get the the package, they didn't get the gift, but not in any way to connect what I said, with that look on their face, those words, no. Because uh, that's one of the nice things. We'll always know that the other person heard us when we express our needs, because they will have the look on their face of a little child talking to Santa Claus. If they don't have that look, they didn't hear. They'll have a look on their face like children when they're getting a gift from Santa Claus. I'd like to hear what's going on for you. I'm feeling um, deep pain because I'm not able to turn around something I heard you say and hear, and, and, and hear it with giraffe ears. I'm, um, and I hate using my past as an excuse. This feels like an excuse and I hate that. So that's the message I'm giving myself. Um, as a child of having that revulsion of having the dirty diaper. So when you say that jackal delivery system of delivering the package of shit, um, I'm having a hard time turning that around or turning that around and hearing it with giraffe ears. I'm, I'm not knowing why you said that. I'm, I guess I'm needing clarity. It's, um... Tell me a little bit more about that image you have about the diapers and then I maybe can see the difference between what I said and why you're having trouble hearing it. Uh, um, well, I guess when I was listening to what you were sharing and gone through some similar situations and having some empathy and open heart, um, I was also at the same time with what you were saying about um, Um, with my parents, what's the, the process? I can't even think right now. I'm feeling overwhelmed about 
what the beauty was in what my parents did by their revulsion of me and, not, and leaving me in a little closet that was supposed to be a bedroom with a dirty diaper because my mother would throw up when she, you know, yeah. she can't so, stand dirty diapers. So I took that on as me. So you took diaper. it on. You, yeah. you really saw from that that uh, there was something wrong with you. That the, uh, yeah, that uh, was reinforced in many other ways yes. that I don't need yes. to go into. So you didn't have the experience that my grandmother did. Your grandmother? Yes, my grandmother was totally paralyzed, so she would uh, oh. defecate in her pants. And I, I put in my book that uh, one of the greatest gifts I ever got was my uncle came over to help my mother every night. And when he was cleaning her up, he had the most beautiful smile on his face. Just to meet her needs of cleaning her up. He couldn't, couldn't have gotten a better gift. <laughs> I feel better already. It's like that enemy image I can replace with another image. Yeah. You just can see that, unfortunately, you can feel sadness for your parents that somehow they weren't given the gifts that my uncle had. That they yes. could have received it that way. Yes. To have received such a beautiful gift and not seen it. If the other person receives it, they w we will see that they're receiving a beautiful gift. It's impossible to express a need to another person and they receive it and that not to happen. That's Now a lot can happen that they don't receive it. That's unfortunate. And that's what I want us to get some clarity about today. How to... But the main thing, and we're already deeply into what I wanted to cover, which is the main thing is about the needs, it's not even how we express them or what words we use, but our consciousness about them. See? And unfortunately, a lot of us have had many of these reactions that you're talking about, not just to your diapers, but to almost anything we want. If our parents were in so much pain because their needs weren't getting met, it's very likely that every message that we got, or many of the messages we got to our needs, was a message of pain instead of somebody receiving a gift. And uh, we didn't have giraffe ears, so we, we start to connect that what's alive in us is a, something ugly. So I was trying, as I said, uh, I was well aware of uh, the, the semanticist warning that the map is not the territory. So something as beautiful as needs, I do, it's the central part of what I teach and I've never come up with words to describe it. The best I can do is needs. <laughs> but it doesn't, for me, word-wise, it's not a beautiful enough description. But the only other option I can think of, I don't know how to fit it into everyday language. Because for me, as I just let it out today, what is a need to me? It's a, a present manifestation of divine energy within us. It's a life force. It, it, we're part of this, this beauty.
part of it, an integral part of it. My goodness, the beauty of the Oz is incredible. We're a part of it. And the most direct way I know of connecting with that is through what I call needs. It's the life energy within me that indicates that I'm a part of this, this wonder. But being aware of that, I'm, I'm, I'm more patient about not having good words. Because again, as I said, I, I really appreciate the Jewish problem. You can't describe God. This is similar. This is our connection to God. So words, of course, they're not gonna they're not gonna do it. You can't describe something of such awe with words. So that's the ascriptive nature of it. That's what I mean by that needs are ascriptive. All we can do is do the best we can with these these words to get a glimmer to other people of that manifestation that's within me at this moment. I see in the needs this, this living force within me. It's connected, it's interdependent with the life. Uh, it makes me feel at one with a leaf. I mean, I am a leaf. Uh. So it's our connection to the rest of the universe? Yes. We, have, we, we are the part of this beautiful universe. And, and look at all of the living phenomena in the universe. They have needs. Trees have needs. Bees have needs. Scorpions have needs. What? Scorpions have needs. Scorpions have needs. <laughs> Hungarians have needs. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't see that one. What was that? Maybe they don't. <laughs> they do. They do. Every time I think I see all the beauty in the world, somebody opens me up to so that I'm seeing just a sliver. So you said that, I'm sorry, what, you said that when somebody really receives your need, they'll have a, the look of a child. What was the rest of that? Receiving a gift from Santa Claus. And even that's probably not strong enough. Uh, they'll feel connected to, to divine energy. One, number one, they'll feel the connection. But number two, they'll also receive an, another precious gift of being able to satisfy a need that I really believe if we had the David Letterman's top ten needs that are the most fun to satisfy. You don't know David Letterman. But you also don't know who won the World Series. How can anyone consider themselves cultured that doesn't revere baseball? I'll never recognize New York Yankees. Benefit from being an oaf, you don't have to worry about being cultured at all. Now, nobody has ever been so oafish not to care about baseball. Oh my God. We're doing a terrible job screening for these IIT. So in the David Letterman's top ten needs, f most fun needs, I, I see now I'm going to have to change my whole view of the universe because I just have assumed until today that the number one 
top need was to watch baseball. <laughs> now, so now I see that isn't a need. That's, that's a strategy. So, okay. So let's change it. And let me say now that, in, at least at the moment, I think that the, the need that is the most enjoyable, and here again, how do you put words to needs? Now, it would be what the psychiatrist Viktor Frankl calls man's search for meaning. But see, I don't like his way of describing this beauty of need, meaning, a need for meaning. He, he says this need was so strong that when he was in the concentration camp, he saw that even though people were starving and under these horrible conditions, the ones that survived figured out how to get that need met under those conditions. And why now he builds his whole approach to psychiatry on this very important need for meaning. But the meaning to me is too me mental. It doesn't have as much beauty as I'm sure he means by it. So, from, But I don't like my words. I, the best I can describe it, and maybe you all want to help me or develop your own, the way I talk about it is the need to contribute to life, to enrich life. It's, you see, to be a creative force in life, to enrich life, to support it. Yes? I, I have this recollection of uh, Frankel's writing that the, the people who survived were the ones who could empathically connect with others and take care of them. That's, that was their way of meeting their need to enrich life. So yes, they were able to do that, and doing that met their own need to even in the bleakest of conditions, and to enrich it, not only to connect with it, but to enrich it, even under those conditions. So what I'm saying, though, I'm bringing this up now, when we see in people's eyes this, ah, well, I got an opportunity to meet the, the most precious need in the universe to enrich life, that's the eyes that people have when they receive our needs. So if they don't have those eyes, then I know they didn't receive my needs. Because it's impossible, I believe, for somebody to see an opportunity to enrich life as other than a precious gift. They're feeling overwhelmed by their own needs. Then I have to be not allow that look in their eyes for me for one second to take away from the beauty of what I offered them. And that's why we have to have these ears on when we reveal the beauty of what's alive in us. Because how horrible if instead of having these ears, we have these ears and then we take that look and think that it was it was deadened by the toxicity of our need. How horrible to express a divine gift and by having these ears on, we start to hate ourselves, think we're needy, think we're selfish, think that we're burdened, think that we're demanding. How sad. Before you go on, I'm wondering if I'm having a really hard time taking in what was just asked and the answer. And the what was asked was, what do we do when we don't see that life, that that person's overburdened or... So, you, you have just come to me and said, Marshall, I'm in some real pain right now. Would you be willing to listen to me? And I say to you, can't you see I've got a number of other things to do? 
Now, you've got to have quick giraffe ears. I'm saying not for one second do you allow that to tarnish the beauty of your gift. Um, I'm really having a block with this. Where do I go? You see the pain in them that keeps them from seeing the divine gift you have just given them. So I could respond, so you're already feeling really overwhelmed. Yes, exactly. But of course, to do that, you've had to have the giraffe ears on. Because if you had these on for one second, you're going to be in such pain that it's going to be hard to see the other person's pain. See, So you've got to have speed ears. But, but you see, actually, you'll have the speed ears if before you opened your mouth to begin with, you felt what you were offering as a precious gift. But if you're carrying vestiges from the past, that's a confirmation of what you already believe. So that's why I'm starting today by saying, even before we look at how to express the need, uh, we need to be conscious of how much of the vestiges from the past we're carrying to how we experience our own needs. Do we, in fact, experience them as this gift of our divine energy that gives the other person a divine gift to, to meet the strongest need humans have to enrich life. Do we see the beauty in what we're offering? No. <laughs> <laughs> then we have to do more work. So, but if, if we have uh, the, are already worked this through, we go to the other person and say, Oh, ho, ho, you lucky person. I am going to give you the most precious gift one human being can give to another. An opportunity to make my life more wonderful. You lucky person. I'm sure you're thrilled. I was saying in, in our language there's a word. What's our language? Arabic. Okay. Um, yeah, my parents came from Lebanon, so I'm Lebanese extraction. Um, but this is a, a word that my husband taught me more than even I heard at home. And that is, any time I've asked him a, fa a favor, I've said, Camel, would you do something for me? He puts his hand on his heart and he says, Memnoon, which means, I am so grateful that you asked me. Cause Memnoon? Now given. Mem Memnoon, M-E-M-N-O-O-N. If it's a woman, she would say Memnuna. I mean, it's a feminine ending. So the, fem the woman says memnuna uh -huh. on the, the role of the receiver of the... If I'm the receiver. And the man says memnuna. Memnun, yeah. And he puts his hand oh, on his yeah, chest, yeah. yeah. And it's, he shakes his head it like you can't imagine what a gift that is. Honest to God. You have to meet this man. He's lovely. But you'd also have to have the beautiful After experience I've had of uh, being in uh, I, many homes in Palestine and... Uh, and receiving from that energy. It's really what you're saying, that uh, you see, it's be happy to give the request, because it is a gift. I'm, I'm just getting it. This is, I love that, because it's exactly <laughs> what I'm Because I've been fighting this for a long time. Yes, Memnoon, yes. <laughs> that is giraffe ears. That, that shows that when, if a person says Memnoon, and you see in their eyes, they mean it then uh, you know that they have received your gift, your, your offering with giraffe ears. 
There's a very similar concept in the Jewish faith. Um, and it's the concept of mitzvah. When somebody asks to fill a need or to do something, that's a blessing. The person that is asked to do the, to do the deed is indebted to the person that asks because it's giving them an opportunity to, to do a blessing. And, and they've been given a gift by being asked. Mitzvah, yes. Like bar mitzvah. It means blessing. Blessing to serve. It's a blessing to be asked. So I'm, I'm blessed by you asking me to do something for you. Exactly. And isn't that, that, isn't that truth? Isn't it, isn't it so obvious? But yet to be obvious, to, to say this with this energy, to make yourself conscious of the beauty of that this is, goes on continually. Every day, we all have needs and we all have opportunities to meet the needs of others and ourselves. This is life. It's a mitzvah. It's a memnoon. But I can take this beautiful thing and turn it into something ugly by making my request a demand. Then that'll be the real test of the other person to still hear a memnoon. So if I say to you, you know, after all I've done for you, the least you could do is. Now, if you have giraffe ears, you'd still hear a mitzvah. But you have to have a bit bigger size. <laughs> grand, grand jumbo ears. After World War II, my mother used to send packages back to Hungary for, to meet their needs. But one day, they sent a letter of an itemized list that they demanded. <laughs> and, and, my, and that day, my mother and father decided that was the last thing they sent. Yeah, they didn't have quite big enough giraffe ears to see the, the request when it was put that way. So that's what I want to learn, I want to deepen our learning in, in our time together today, how to send the message that we really feel that it is a mitzvah, a memnon, that it is a great gift to the other person to offer on that we have that consciousness about the life within us. So they could have seen it that way. They could have still seen it. In fact, usually what I've found, is, since I've been getting my consciousness raised on this, that almost every time I hear a demand, it's because the other person is so scared to ask. They don't quite see the beauty in their own needs. They, they're judging themselves and being dependent, needy, whatever. And they're carrying vestiges from the past that haven't led them to see the beauty of their needs. So how, how sad it is for then if I continue that game by hearing it as a demand and responding out of that energy. So as soon as I hear a demand, I need to take a deep breath and try to empathize with the energy behind the other person that would lead them to express it that way. I which need? Uh, need oh, it could be many different needs. Uh, I'd say the need, the, the need that's behind the fear, yeah. is to have you receive this as a mitzvah, <laughs> and they but they have had such pain in the past with people receiving it in other ways that now they're so scared, mm -hmm. and out of the fear they express it in a way that we don't have giraffe ears receiving. We can hear as a demand. Marshall. Um, for instance, if I had heard the least, I mean, after all I've done for you, the least you could do is do this. I could say to you, you're right, and it would be my pleasure to give it to you. The other part would be, 
I'm wondering if the message today is that every time there is a request, I must, I must grant it. Uh, well, of course, if we have giraffe ears, we know that a no is just as big of a gift, okay. gift as a yes, so, if, especially if it's expressed in giraffe. Okay, so I could... You say the need behind the no. So and you're giving say, the other person a mitzvah. A no is a mitzvah. If you ask me, Marshall, uh, would you be willing to spend some time with me uh, at noon, because I have a need for some companionship? And I say, uh, I'm in such pain myself today that what I really need is some space to myself. How Would you be willing to search for someone else to spend time with? Then I'm giving you a mitzvah. I'm giving you a chance to meet my need. You see? So every no, if we hear it accurately, is a mitzvah. It's telling us what that person's need is. If we don't have giraffe ears, we have jackal ears, we hear it as a rejection. Or we take it that our needs aren't valued. Or our needs are a burden. Especially if the person says, no, I can't, I have other things. You know, if we hear that as our needs are a burden. It's so easy to receive it the way you return it to me. Because I said the need behind the no. And I ended on a request that showed that I was as interested in your need getting met as mine. I'm confident if we stay with this energy, we can both get our needs met. Notice I didn't just say, I have a need to take care of myself, period. I didn't just say, I'm going to take care of my need. I, I want to search for a way to get everybody's need met. So I told you what my need was that kept me from saying yes. But I ended on a clear request, searching for a way to get everybody's needs met. So you still feel your needs matter, even though at the moment I've told you what keeps me from doing what you've requested. Say that again, your response back. When I do two things. First, I begin with empathy for your need. You see, just, yeah, I've heard your need. You, you don't see in my eyes that I took it as a demand or as a burden. I, I took it as a mitzvah. When you see that I received it as a mitzvah, as a memnoon, and then I express my need that keeps me from saying yes, and I end on a clear request searching for a way to get both of our needs met, you see both from my empathy for your need and for my continued interest in your need getting met, you see that it matters equally as my own. See? But in a jackal world, of course, they define love and, and virtue as denying your own needs, suppressing them. So in other words, I'm supposed to be selfless. Once I hear your need, I can have no need. But then I'm not giving because I really saw it as a, a mitzvah. I'm giving out a duty and a, and a different kind of obligation, an ugly one, to buy my way into heaven. See, we do that, not out of caring for the other person, because that really isn't taking care of the other person when we are selfless. They pay for it. Any act we take for another person that is not done out of pure mitzvah, pure joy in serving, which means we're not doing it for the other person. We're doing it for self-full motivation. See, 
Giraffe requires a consciousness of self-fullness. In jackal land, we only know selfish, selfless. We're now bringing in a whole different concept of self-fullness. So anything that persons do for another person that isn't done purely out of self-fullness, we pay for in this way. It is taking them away from the divine game we're talking about. It's bringing them into a game of slavery where you are forced out of obligation, duty, guilt, fear, and shame to do things. So to whatever degree we get conditioned to that, the person sees serving us out of that energy, they condition us in a way that makes it harder and harder for them to give self-fully to us. So we get something now done for us, but the cost is terrible because it kills, it, it interrupts this divine energy. It, it makes it, that our, our need is not a, they're not serving out of a mitzvah, out of a memnoon. I was going to direct this to Earl and Salwa, but I'll direct it to you. You've been all over the world. You've seen all these cultures. They say that that's both a part of their culture. Yeah. But how? what percentage of the people actually operate in that? About 8%, according to certain research. I, don't, I won't take the time to quote, but I've been very interested in that. And, in, and it's the same in all cultures. In other words, whether they are coming out of the Islamic tradition, out of the Judaic, Christian, Buddhist, about 8%. 5, 8, 12, it depends which research. But, but that's great news that in spite of the enormous forces over the last 5,000 years to kill that energy, you can't. I mean, it's, it's as long as there's human beings, it won't be killed off. You don't mind, I'd like to get back to um, about this, um, how we pay for it. Um, so last night, when, um, I don't know, I think her name is, said, well, I'm going to leave now because I need rest and I'm going to do self-care. And you said something about Checking that out. I said, uh, I told her that I didn't really think that would take care of her needs if she wasn't showing other people that she was equally concerned with their needs. Let me show you what I mean by how we pay for it and, and how quickly we'll learn if we just stop and look. Uh, I had, when I, my youngest son was three and my daughter was four and my oldest son was seven, I was writing a book. I was doing a lot of thinking about education and parenting and and, and part of this involved me trying to get clear what choices and decisions could we give children to make? What, what, what can they make? How quickly can children make what decisions? And I came up with a game that would help me learn, and I thought it might be fun for my kids, and it turned out to be one of the best things I ever did. We, we called this game Captain. And each day, one of my children would have a turn being the captain. And what I would do on this day, I would turn over to the captain many of the choices I usually would have made as the parent. Big choices, some of them. But I wouldn't turn it over unless I was prepared to, let, to live with the consequences. It was their choice to make. It wasn't just, a, you know, I was going to take it back if they didn't make the choice I would like. Because I just wanted to see how children could make choices. And so, one day, uh, my youngest son, Brett, it was his turn to be the captain. And I went to the dry cleaner to pick up some dry cleaning. And as I paid for it, the woman started to give me three pieces of candy for the children. Right away, I thought, good chance for the captain. So I said to her, would you give it to the captain, please? She didn't know immediately, but the captain knew. He goes forward and puts his hand out. 
And I said, Captain, would you please choose what to do with this candy? Now, they could have put me in jail for putting such pressure on a three-year-old, because you could yeah. just, I mean, put yourself in their shoes now. Come on, isn't You've got three pieces of candy in your hand, but you've got a brother and sister looking at you very intently, very intently. You could just see the smoke coming out of this poor kid's ears. It's a horrible thing to do to children, to give them such a decision to make. I should have been put in prison. Anyway, you could just see him really thinking, and he gives one to each. I, the first time I told this story to a group of parents, they, one of the parents said, well, of course, because you had taught them to share. See, That was very helpful, because I said to her, not so. Because a week before, he was in a similar position, and he ate all three. <laughs> but can you guess what happened the next day when he was no longer the captain? Can you see what I mean now about how we pay for any decision we make that, that doesn't come out of concern for other people? Anything we do to, to force people to do things to give us, we know how we feel about that. We may do it, but it's not coming out of a certain energy. So, We pay for any time we either give or receive something that is, we, don't, we give out of an energy that isn't pure, natural giving, or the other person does something for us that isn't out of pure, natural giving. And I've tried to raise my consciousness about that over the years, and now the more I think about it, the more I realize how enormous we pay for any time anything is done for us mixed with this other energy. And that's why a few years ago, to kind of raise consciousness about this in my groups, I developed this little card some of you have seen. And I suggest that for a while, to make sure the giving going on in your closest relationships is kosher, is pure. Whenever you ask for something, give this card. And the card says, please do as I request only, big word only, if, you can do so with the joy of a little child feeding a hungry duck. Please, please, please do not do as I request if there is any of the following mixed in, even in the tiniest degree. Any fear of punishment if you don't. Any doing it for reward, that I'll like you better if you do. Out of any shame or guilt, or duty or obligation. Life is too short for us to do anything for each other with any taint like that mixed into the giving. But of course we're so far from that now because for 5,000 years we've been taught the only way you can motivate sinful, wretched, creepy human beings is through these power over tactics of punishment, reward, shame, guilt, duty and obligation. So we have been so deeply ingrained with and so exposed to tactics motivated to get us to do what's good for us in society through those tactics that it's pretty hard to get pure giving going between human beings. So that's why I like to check myself and make sure I never do anything for others. Never. Only for self-full reasons. Only when it's play. Self-full reasons. Self -full reasons.
then they don't have to pay for it. And for me, the gift is play. Off the other side of the coin, I have a need. I present my need to you. Mm -hmm. Give it with joy. Yes. What is the best way I can receive being my need? That you feel like you gave me a gift. Do I receive it gratefully? This is, a, this is one of the, the, my perplexities about this, because it seemed to me if we give and receive, here's what would happen. I would do something, and you would feel this mitzvah. You would say, thank you for the gift, and then you respond. And then I say, thank you for responding that way. And you would say, thank you for responding to my response that way. And we would spend the rest of our life celebrating. <laughs> and all you did was hand, pass me the salt. But it seems to me that if we're really tuned in, that's we would. And then after about ten interchanges, we would. Who did, was I the giver or the receiver here? Uh, who who was the giver and 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 uh, you see? So it, any simple act, we would be lost in bliss forever. So that's why yeah. I, it's, I'm, I'm confused with that. I never feel more given to than when you take from me. When you understand the joy I feel giving to you. And you know my giving isn't done to put you in my debt. But because I want to live the love I feel for you. To receive with grace may be the greatest giving. There's no way that I can separate the two. When you give to me, I give you my receiving. And when you take from me, I feel so given to. Mitzvah song, yes, it's a mitzvah song. Ruth Bebermeyer wrote it. Not for one second do we ever want to think we do anything wrong. It's impossible. You can't do anything wrong. Even if you try, you couldn't do anything wrong. You didn't meet your own needs for it to be sensitive. So out of that kind of mourning comes learning without self-hatred. But apology, whatever learning happens, is, has the taint of self-hatred associated with it. So we want to learn motivated, our learning motivated purely by the we want to learn better how to serve life. Not we want to learn so we're not such wretched creeps. This will give us another big learning, and very important learning for both women and men, but I think particularly for women, given the socialization experiences they've had. See, women have been taught that now once you see the other person's need, now you have to give up yours. So it's very costly to empathize, because once you empathize, then you're lost. How can you possibly stay connected to your needs now that you see how much it means to this person? So then you can't see it as a mitzvah. It's a big pressure.
So that's important learning, to see that going on. That's why Ellen Goodman, the uh, columnist for the Boston Globe, warns women, be careful of cats like Rosenberg teaching you how to empathize better. She said, she didn't mention me by name, but I took it personally <laughs> when she said uh, to women, be careful about going off to workshops and learning how to empathize better. Maybe we women have learned to understand so well over the years that we lose ourselves in the process. But I took that in a paranoid way. <laughs> Just a challenge for you. Yes, a challenge. But I love her for saying that article. I used it for years and, and printed it up and had it distributed because I think it's so important, given women's training, to nurture that then that very beauty of that training can get them to lose their own needs in the process. But if they, uh, women get knowledgeable about this, then who will society manipulate? Yes, exactly. And this is, this is the origin of it. This is the origin. When you need a social structure that requires women to be seen as low-priced servants, then you educate them this way, to believe that the, the loving woman is selfless. Uh-huh, yeah. So what do I do? Now what do you do? You become conscious of that. You give yourself some empathy for how frightening it is to see another person's needs when they are na nakedly expressed. You see this tendency in yourself to want to lose connection with your own needs. The fear. How do I meet both my need to be nurturing, but to myself as well as the other? So you stop and make sure you never agree to do what the other person wants unless it's play. You just deal with this within yourself, but you don't, don't ever do anything if it isn't play. So you take a deep breath and you give empathy. So that might sound like this. <laughs> 